0: Now, presenting live from 401 Maplewood Drive in Jupiter, Florida. Join our family every Sunday morning at 9 and 11 a.m. Today's message brought to you by Pastor Ben Pierce. Welcome to part two of the series right now. This is the theme series for 2014 for Generation Church that, that we would be a right now kind of people, and a right now generation. And so I just encourage you, uh, engage all the things that are happening around Generation Church this month and all year long uh, so that you can be a person that, that in the fullness of time, you, you engage and embrace what God is doing in your life. So I wanna welcome you to part two of the series. Can we welcome all those joining us by video? this morning. So glad you guys have tuned in. want to encourage you to come and be a part of the service live and in person right here at Generation Church. Man, was worship good this morning or what? Good. Such a good, good job. What a great worship team we have. That last song was, um, it's an in-house special that uh, the worship team wrote, All Ye Heavens. Such a great song such a talented group. Uh, man, I just love it. Love the presence of the Lord. I love what God is doing in our house, in our church. Love what God is doing in you guys and, and just the relationships and things that God is continuing to develop right here in our city. Uh, you know, so I opened this series up last week talking about Jesus and in, in the way that he engaged his right now opportunities. He had a, a defining moment in the Garden of Gethsemane where he was at a place where he said, God, if this thing going to the cross, if this cup, as he put it, can pass from me, let it pass. But nevertheless, I want to do your will. And, and that was a, a right now moment. We all enter into those right now moments. Like it's those things that come out of nowhere and you're like, do I do this or do I not do this? Do, do I engage this opportunity or do I back off into the shadows? And, and Jesus kind of set the stage for us. He, he infiltrated into what is now the church of Jesus around the world, this DNA of being a right now kind of people. First Peter calls us a peculiar people, a, a holy nation, a royal priesthood, and, and we are a people that we don't sit by idly and just watch the world pass us by. We are people that in the in the DNA of our heart and in the core of who we are, we want something more than just a mundane, mediocre life. We, we have this, this right now thing inside of us, and I want to use this series to draw that out of us, to help us to, to engage that right now mentality at a great degree. Jesus, as he he, uh, had his right now moment in the garden of Gethsemane, it was just a few weeks later that the church would be birthed. You know, he died, he rose again. 50 days later, the Holy Spirit was poured out and Pentecost happened and the church was birthed. And and in the early days of the church of Jesus was this DNA of a right now mentality. Well, look at the church, they, they, they engaged what was happening. They were nimble. They were ready. They were available. They, they were on top of it and they didn't know what they were doing. They didn't have all of this history to follow. They didn't have all of these examples and, and all they had to do was just trust what God was doing. And, and so many different things were happening, things that they hadn't seen before. You know, the Jewish people had served God for thousands of years, but now Gentiles, people who had no religious pedigree, they, they were pagans, if you we're now starting to experience the presence of the Holy Spirit and we're getting born again. And and so they were so on top of just flowing with what God was doing. And I believe after 2,000 years, that DNA, it still resides inside of the church of Jesus Christ. We've had our years, our ups and downs. We've had our dark ages, if you will. But we've also had our reformations. We've, we've had th- these, th- this history of just serving God and engaging the things that God has for us. And I believe that as time draws near to the end... I believe that as we look for the return of Jesus soon, I believe that it is a season, it is a time for us to engage our right now opportunities. Our right now things, those opportunities, they, they define us. You know, they turned the world upside down. Acts 17 says that these are those who turned the world upside down. How did they do that? They did it because every time the Holy Spirit spoke, they listened and they acted and they obeyed. Every time God gave a mandate, they took it and they charged forward. It didn't matter if people were persecuted. It didn't matter if people were martyred. It didn't matter if people laughed at them. It didn't matter what people thought. But the early church, they pushed forward, and they did something significant in their generation, and you can too. They turned the world upside down, and you can turn the world upside down. You can start with your city, your neighborhoods, your workplace, this region, our state, our nation, and our world. You, out of Jupiter, Florida, can make a global impact right now opportunities, when the fullness of time comes to engage those things. Now, we all have these right now things that come at us, and they kind of seemingly come from nowhere, these right now opportunities. But, you know, it's not just about the opportunities. It's also about the relationships, It's also about those right now relationships, those defining people in life. When I look at the early church, it wasn't just about what the Spirit of God was saying. It was also about what the people of God were doing, how they interacted together. There was a level of community there that I believe is a critical key to living out what they lived out and seeing the world turned upside down and affected, that that it is built out of relationships, defining people. I can think about my own life. I have defining relationships in my life. Many guys have people that were defining people. You know, they, they were people for your life that when you met them and engaged them in that right now opportunity, some of those people changed the very course of your life. They were catalysts of change for you. It was those relationships that positioned you where you are today. I think about for me, his name is David Goldner. David Goldner was a mechanical engineer. He worked for Texas, Texas Instruments. Wasn't a real flashy guy, not a ton of charisma. Just a servant of God. And when I was in youth group, I was fixated on Pastor Jim. You know, he's so funny. He's our pastor. He comes here in December and preaches. And, and I was like, wow, this guy's so funny. I mean, he eats like crunchy peanut butter out of a baby diaper. I was like, That's, who, who fed that baby that much peanut butter? That's what I was asking myself. And it was so easy to, to get fixated on sometimes the, the people who are standing in a pulpit on a stage or the preachers or the flashy guys with hair all teased out everywhere and leather pants and larger-than-life personalities and all of those kind of things. But you know who the defining person in my life was? It was the engineer. It was the guy who, who was not very flashy, but, man, he has a heart of gold. Pastor Jim Resigned as a youth pastor, and he moved to Charlotte, North Carolina. He started a Bible college, the same school that Melissa and I graduated from. And while Pastor Jim is the great Bible teacher and the big, hairy personality and all those kind of things, it was Dave Goldner who picked up the phone when I was trying to decide what I'm going to do with my life. Am I going to go to this college? Am I going to go to this university? What am I going to do? And I was really reaching out. I was like, where am I going to go? What am I going to do? I I didn't have a lot of direction in life. I got this phone call from this guy. Hey, Ben, this is David Goldner. Who? i never noticed you before. Hey, I just wanted to reach out to you. How are things going? I know you're getting ready to, to go to college. What college are you going to? And, and it was that relationship, that defining person that began to set the stage for what God had in store for me. Pastor Jim didn't call. He was doing other things. But David Goldner, he kept calling and... And I kept answering and I was like why does this guy keep calling me who are you again (laughs) and so often in life it's the people who are easily overlooked that become our defining relationships see people expect me to be the defining relationship for everyone in a church or they expect their pastor or their staff or leadership to be the defining people but you really are the defining people You are the ones who really make the difference in people's lives. How many of you guys have your Dave Goldner? How many of you guys are a Dave Goldner? See, I hope God draws that out of your heart today. That that you would be a right now person in right now relationships you would be the catalyst of change for people's lives. I think we all have a desire inside to, to have and to be that. To have that person that cares. That, that person that, that helps us make a decision that changes our life forever. Do you guys realize, had it not been for David Goldner's persistent phone calls in the summer of 1994, I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't be your pastor today. You wouldn't have this kicking awesome church to go to here in Jupiter. I mean, come on. I wouldn't be married to my lovely wife. I would be in a completely different place in life. a Critical change point for me out of that single relationship. But, you know, there are barriers in life. There are barriers that we erect in life. When David Goldner started calling me, I was like, dude, who are you and why? Do you continue to call me? And every time he would call, I'd be like, I don't want to talk to this guy. Who is this? And I erected these barriers. And, and I think maybe you can identify with that because we all erect barriers in life. We, we all put up walls in life. Three or four years ago, I I taught this series called Stop Dating the Church. And in that series, I introduced a few of my friends to our congregation. I want to reintroduce a couple of them to you today. The first guy I want to introduce to you is Bill DeWalls. Bill is a little cynical. Bill is the kind of guy who... He enters a crowd of people and automatically he begins to stiff arm everybody. He begins to build and erect barriers and walls. See, Bill is the kind of guy who knows what you're trying to do, you churchy church people. (laughs) You're trying to engage me in relationships. So I might have a little bit of fun. You're trying to get me in a life group so I might make some lasting relationships that change my life. You're trying to engage me in something that might Change somebody else's eternity. I know what you're up to. We build these walls. I, I build these walls in my own life. I've been pretty uh, vulnerable with this and open with this. I'm, I'm introverted by nature. Friday night, Melissa was hanging out at Joyce Meyer's conference and with some other girls, and, um, and so I'm all alone. And so I go through my very extremely short small, tiny list of people that I'll hang out with. (laughs) So I called the staff. (laughs) Because, you know, it's Friday night. I don't want to end up in a counseling appointment at, you know, the movies, right? And so I call the staff and they're like, hey, no, I'm busy, blah, 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 I'm doing this. These guys are down here watching movies on the big screen and and so I go through my short list, and, and after I get through my short list, I'm, I'm like, ah, oh, you know, I probably should reach out a little further. But what do I do? I go home and I watch Wolverine. <laughs> I paid $5.99 for that on Infinity, just a Xfinity or whatever it's called. <laughs> Felt like Infinity. <laughs> and what I should have done is I should have I should have had some relationship with somebody. So I know, I know what it's like. You, you get these right now opportunities for re- relationship and, and these defining moments and defining people and, and I don't know, it's just easier just to go home and watch TV. We build our walls. But you know, as, as we deconstruct those walls, as we de-wall ourselves, God begins to give us those defining relationships. You can't, you can't get, God, he, he can't get them to you if you don't open up, if you don't let some people in. You know, a lot of times we're expecting God to do something miraculous in our life. Like, Lord, I need some help with my mortgage. God, I I need some help with my marriage. Father, I I need some help with this. I need some help with that. I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with that. And we expect like, you know, $20 bills to float out of the sky, right? To help us with our bills and mortgage and that kind of thing. Uh, It just doesn't happen that way. God works through people to meet people's needs, just the way that he works, Luke 6:38 says, If you give, it'll be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together, and then God will pour 20s out of the heavens. No, it doesn't say that. If it says that in your Bible, you need to trade that one in on a newer model. It says, As you give, it'll be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over, Will men give to you? Will people? God works through people. So often we're looking for some type of heavenly divine rescue, and God has people all around you, and they just can't get through your walls, Bill. Break them down and let God do something in your life. Second friend I want to introduce you to is Ben. Holding back. <laughs> Some of you guys can relate to Ben because this is exactly how you live in life. You've been holding back. You're so full of God and so full of his gifts and talents. There's such a richness inside of you, but man, you're just so busy. Why do I need to, to give my time to relationships? Why should I lead a life group? Why, why should I do this or do that? Why should I make myself vulnerable to people? I've been holding back for a long time. See, Bill is looking for somebody to define him, but Ben, he's a definer of other people. Ben has has things inside of him that he's been holding back. That if he will allow himself, God will use him, just like a David Goldner, to minister to somebody who doesn't know exactly where they're going or what they're doing, that that Ben back could become a catalyst of change for somebody's life. Who are you today? Are you walled up? Or are you holding back? Allow God to, to do something with your days that are significant. Amen. He created us for relationships all the way from the Garden of Eden. He created us to, to, to have a relationship together. He created us, those of you watching by video, He created you to be around people. There's no relationship on a video screen. If you can make it, you need to make it and be around the people of God. We were created for relationship. Yes. You know, the devil, if you go back to the book of Eden, the De- or the book of Genesis in the garden of Eden, the devil's primary way to take mankind off of course was to corrupt the relationship. And he's been doing the same thing since the beginning. His strategies have never changed. It's always been about disconnecting relationship. Disconnecting God and Adam and Eve. Disconnecting Cain and Abel. Disconnecting Abraham and Lot. Disconnecting throughout the entire course of human history about disconnecting Relationships. We truly are stronger together. There are things that happen in unity and relationship that can happen no place else. You were created for that. You guys ever watch the Discovery Channel and you see the gazelles kind of trotting through? Some of you guys are having flashbacks from Love Between the Lines. (laughs) If you miss Love Between the Lines series, you got to go back um, because it was pretty risky. Okay. The antelope, we'll use the antelope. I watch a lot of Discovery Channel because, you know, I'm a scientist by trade. And so I watch all of these animals, and, and it's, it's never the cheetah that attacks the middle of the pack. Never, because, you know, they're all out there grazing like you saw in the Catalyst video or whatever. But the, the one that gets eaten is always the one who strays from the pack. It's always the gazelle that, that is where the antelope that's, that's over here by themselves. You know, it really brings to light for me the scripture, 1 Peter 5, 8, that he is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's, he's looking for the ones that he can devour. He's looking for the ones that get disconnected. He's looking for the ones who don't have those defining relationships. He's looking for the ones that are pulled off aside from the pack, from the, from the protection of the body, the overall gathering of the saints around the world. And when he can get you that way, bam, He pounces. When I think about the early church, one of the hallmarks of the early church is that they were so engaged in relationships. I believe that DNA, it still resides in the church of Jesus around the world today. I just believe that our society and the enemy of our souls has had 2,000 years to try to degrade that. And I just believe that as we get closer to the Lord returning, that, that we should not allow that to continue to be a hallmark of our churches, that they're disconnected and it's about you know who's got the flashy lights and the biggest program and the best coffee. Let's let it be about the relationships. Let's, let's let it be about what the early church was about. Acts chapter 2 and verse 41, you know, they just came out of the upper room. They'd been praying, and the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the earth, and the church was birthed at that point. The same DNA that Jesus had to engage his right now moment was the DNA in which that church was birthed in, that they would be a right now people, that they would do something significant. Jesus told Peter that on your revelation, I'm going to build my church. And so Peter comes out of the upper room and he preaches the first sermon of the newly formed church of Jesus. Verse 41, then those who gladly received his word, they were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. I love that. The first church was 3,000 people like that. And that's a great way to start. 3,000 people were added to them, and then verse 42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in the breaking of bread and in prayers. And I want to unpack that, that simple verse because I believe there are four keys in that that will help us to be right now people with defining relationships. They continued steadfastly. That, that word continued, it, it means that they continued. That they just kept going. That it, it, it wasn't three months off or six months off or, I, you know, I've been coming to church for two years, but I've only been three times in two years. Like, you know it's bad when somebody comes up to me and they say, Pastor Ben, when did you dye your hair gray? I, I didn't. You just haven't been here in two years. It's great a little bit since the last time you were around. They continued steadfastly. They, they were connected on a daily basis. You know, it, it, it's, kind of, it's kind of ridiculous that in our society today that it's so difficult to spend an hour and a half with each other on a weekend, much less go to a life group. Much less go hang out at dinner with somebody. Much less hang out with somebody on a daily basis. Are you kidding? Some of you guys are like twitching. Your eyes are going. I said daily basis. It's so foreign to us today, but yet it is the place of unity. And that place of unity is the place of power. So they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. I want to unpack this for you. If you're following along in your fill-ins, we need relationships that teach. We had relationships that teach us something. They continued in the apostles' teaching and doctrine. You you need some people that are going to pour into your life that are going to say, Whoa, hey, what are you doing there, big guy? I tried that once, and it it didn't work so well. We we need people that are going to teach us some things. We need some relationships that we can learn from. You know, you can learn from your own mistakes. I've learned from a lot of mine. We can learn from somebody else's. I would rather learn from your mistakes than my mistakes. We need some relationships that, that teach us some things that we can learn, learn something from. I, I don't want to be a know-it-all. I, I want to be a learn-it-all. You know? I, I don't, I don't. You guys ever been in a conversation with somebody and you're like, hey, dude, what's going on? Yeah, you know, and they're telling you about your stuff and you're like, oh, yeah, that's cool. You know, I did this once. And they're like, I know. I know it irritates the snot out of me when I talk to somebody and I'm just trying to help and they go I know dude I don't care if you know it doesn't look like you know I'm trying to help you know so don't tell me I know (laughs) build the walls Bill come on Be a learn-it-all and and allow some relationships to teach you something because somebody probably has been through some pretty bad stuff and they can teach you a thing or two. You know, be a learn-it-all. Be be willing to let somebody speak into your life and and maybe you can speak into somebody else's life. Maybe you can impact somebody. Need some relationships that, that teach us something. So they continued steadfastly in the apostles' teaching and fellowship. They continued in fellowship, fellows in a ship. Let that just kind of rest on you for a minute. <laughs> Fellowship. Greek word koinonia. Three parts of that. It means intimacy. Relationships that are intimate. Relationships that are a partnership. Like you're, you're going for the same things. You're engaged on the same vision. You're, you're trying to accomplish the same tasks. And then... Fellowship that is companionship. You lean on each other. They continued steadfastly in teaching and they continued steadfastly in fellowship. We we need relationships that invest in us. Something that 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 pours into our soul that is useful to us, that, that you walk away from it feeling full. You know, we just came through two weeks of prayer and fasting and Every single night except one, I I led the prayers. And then I preached on the weekend. So two solid weeks of not having any time off. And then I came through and I had to do first Wednesday service. Thank you for coming. We had a great time. And then I had to do life groups on Thursday. I had a 4 o'clock life group sessions with Pastor Ben. I had another life group at 6.30 at Survival of the End Times. And I, I was... Getting ready for my life groups on Thursday, I thought, man, I have not had a break. What am I doing? And there was something inside of me I was like, I just I don't I really don't want to do these. Can I cancel these? Natalia. (laughs) I didn't want to go through with them. I was like, man, I just I just need a break. I, I, I don't know that I can invest in anybody. I've been investing solid for like three weeks. I need some alone time. I need some, some time just to recharge my batteries. But I pushed through for those groups. I have to tell you, they're probably the best groups I've had to date. Those of you guys who are in sessions, it was one of the most investing sessions One of the most investing groups that I've had. I walked away from that feeling like I don't have anything to give. Coming out of that group feeling like I just had 15 people just pour into me. And here's the point of that. If you go by how you feel sometimes, if if you allow the walls that we erect in our lives, if you allow those to rule you, you will miss those opportunities of relationships that invest in you. Because God knows what's going on. God knows that I had to preach 18 times over the past three weeks. The Lord knows where we are in that. And he knows that if you'll just make the effort to engage in relationships, he'll have somebody there to pour into you. Isn't it true in life though? It's like we feel empty and we don't want to go because I feel empty. But that's when we need to be apart. We need to be in a life group when you don't feel like being in a life group. We need relationships that invest in us, do life together. So they continued in the apostles' teaching and fellowship and in the breaking of bread. It's kind of a, a funny phrase because yeah, I don't know that we don't really break bread today, per se. So what are they really talking about? What did they continue steadfastly? And they continued steadfastly in the socializing aspect of relationships, breaking bread. They hung out together. They, they did life together. They, they were friends together. We need relationships that are fun. How many guys would agree that life is not as fun as it used to be? You know, it just seems like as society progresses and, and our cell phones get more stuck to our heads and, and you know, we get busier and we're, we're more connected seemingly, but really we're less connected. It seems like as we push forward and we progress forward that, I don't know, somewhere the fun just kind of drained out my big toe. <laughs> Where did it all go? I, I think that God has something for us that, that should just be fun. And we should just enjoy each other. You know what? You never enjoy a relationship until you've had some learning out of that relationship, until you've had some investing out of that relationship, until the first two things that we talked about happen. You never really have fun. You don't get that teaching and that learning and that camaraderie aspect out of what did you learn, and it helps you, and then you invest in each other. You can't really enjoy that person. Superficial relationships are not fun. Especially if you're introverted, their work. I'm like, oh, Lord. Small talk. <laughs> I don't like small talk. <laughs> relationships that are fun. We should enjoy the journey. Enjoy the journey. Enjoy life together instead of enduring it. So they continued in breaking of bread and they continued steadfastly in prayers. We need relationships that help. You know, relationships that have some type of help. There's some type of, of soul food in there. There's something that just, it, it, it just infuses your life. It's, it's supernatural. It's spiritual. Like, you walk away from that relationship, and you're like, man, that just felt good. It just helped. Relationships that pray. Relationships that you can go to somebody, and, and you can get a spiritual investment back out of that. James 5, 16, it's a pretty common scripture. It says that if we confess our faults to one another, that we will be healed. It doesn't say if we confess our faults to Jesus that we get healed. Confess our faults to Jesus, we get forgiven. We confess our faults. We What does it really mean by that? It's like you share your your details with each other, and healing comes out of that. Like when I just get vulnerable with people, and I'm like, this is what's going on in me. It brings healing to us. Got to have those relationships because it brings healing to your life. And then it goes on to say that the effectual fervent prayer of righteous people avails much. I need those relationships that help us. Verse 43, it says this. This is the result. Of Those first four things like if if you can for a moment if you can engage in a relationship that you can learn from if you can engage in a relationship that invests in you if you can have just a little bit of fun with your relationships if if you can find some relationships that help this is the result of what happens verse 43 it says and everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and the signs that were performed by the Apostles. These types of relationships, they produce the supernatural. When you get around other faith-filled believers, it pushes you forward. Their faith builds your faith. It, It produces things that are supernatural in your life. This is the outworking of relationships that you get into a place of supernatural life with God. Verse 44, all the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. The second outcome of, of godly relationships is there is provision. That we just provide for each other. That, that, that when you need something, there's somebody there for you. And when somebody else needs something, you have the opportunity. To be there for them. Provision is a hallmark of that. Verse 46. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. And they broke bread in their homes. And they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. One, one version says just gladless, gladness and simplicity. I don't know about you, but I, I treasure simplicity in life. I treasure just having just some happy times and that are simple. It doesn't have to be complicated. Gladness and simplicity in life. Verse 47, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. Scripture tells us that we can have favor with God and with man. And it's these relationships that produce for us favor with people. God's favor and people's favor. You know what that means? Like when you have favor with somebody, let's kind of break it down in an example. Like if if I do a favor for Jennifer... Or I do a favor for Jessica. Or I do a favor for somebody. That feels pretty good, right? Like, you know, you're on the couch. You're flipping through the channel. You're like, hey, can you bring me, you know, Starbucks? That's a favor. That's a huge favor. Like, you just left the house. You went and got coffee for me. That's a favor. When we have relationships, you end up living. You guys know how good it feels to have somebody do a favor? How many you guys would say that you feel like your life is few and far between of people doing favors for you. Anybody feel that way? See, when you feel like your life is far and few between of somebody doing favors for you, it's because you're not properly engaged in relationship. That every day somebody's doing something nice for you and every day you're doing something nice for them. That's what it means to have favor with people. It's like you're just sitting around and somebody comes in and they're like, hey, Carlos, what can I do for you, man? What's going on? That is the outworking of godly healthy relationships. And we have favor with people. In December, Pastor Jim came. He preached a word to our church, and he had a word, similar to Seiko's word, a, a word of prophecy. Just like 1 Corinthians 14 talks about. And he said, This house would be a significant house. And as I began to pray about that, I began to seek the Lord, like, Lord, what do you mean by that? The Lord gave me this series. That in order for us to be the significant place that God wants us to be, to reach literally nations, that we have to be first a right now people, like the early church. We have to have strong relationships, defining people. That we have to right now at the fullness of time, engage the opportunities that God gives us. And that as we engage those things, as you Engage those things in your church. You find that your life begins to produce significant things. Significant things. That that your life counts for something. That when you stand before God in eternity one day, instead of him looking at you and saying, get in here. You're going to stand before him one day and he's going to say, pound it out, bro. You tore it up and you made your days count dr powers you made your days count you made your relationships count you affected people's lives there are people in heaven today because of what you did tore down the walls and you didn't hold back and you engaged so i want to encourage you what do you do with a message like this today Laugh? Does it stir anything in you? Do you take notes and then walk out the back door and never do anything with it? What do you do with a message like this message today? Do you put it off? Next week, I'll engage. When I'm ready, I'll engage. What do you do with a message like this? You engage it right now. Day, this service before you leave Listen, I know how it is come into a place like this especially if you're new and, and as soon as the service is over like we bolt for the back door I get it but I want to encourage you today don't bolt for the back door grab a cup of coffee meet somebody new they may become your defining person in life they may be the catalyst of change that you've been looking for close your eyes and let me pray for you Father, I thank you today for your people, God, your church, Lord, that we would be the people, the right now people that you created us to be, that we would engage our brothers and sisters in unity, and that we would see your power displayed in this earth, in this church, in this city. If you're here today and you would say, Pastor Ben, I, I... I love Jesus, but I haven't engaged in relationships like I should. Like you hear this message and it just kind of resonates with you. And you think, you know, man, I think I've missed some right now opportunities. And this morning, you just want to make a commitment to yourself and to God and say, I'm I'm not going to allow myself to miss those opportunities anymore. I'm going to engage right now. If that's you, would you slip your hand up? I just want to pray for you. Yeah. A lot of hands. Lift him up nice and high just so I can see. Yeah, you can put your hands down. Secondly, you're here this morning and God's just kind of working on your heart to engage the relationship, to engage the most important relationship that you will ever have in your life. And that's a relationship with Jesus. Not a relationship with a church, not a relationship with people, not a relationship with religion, but a relationship with Jesus. Because you can't really have investing and, and helpful and, and fun relationships with God's people unless you have that first relationship with Him. It is the keystone. It's the cornerstone. It's the first step. So if you're here today and God's tugging on your heart... Like you're sitting here today and you're like, I, I don't hear his voice on a regular basis. Like, I, I don't know that I have fellowship with God. I, I don't know that I really hear him speak to me. And Maybe you throw up a lot of prayers, but you never hear any response today. You have a right now opportunity to have a connection with God. You have to do it by faith, to open your heart by faith and say, God, come live inside of me. So if that's you, I want to pray for you. You want a real relationship with God. Slip your hand up so I can pray for you. Thank you, sir. So proud of you. Who else this morning? Real relationship with God. Not a church, not a religion. A real relationship. a little intimidated to lift your hand this morning. If that's so, just look up at me. Just make eye contact with me. You know God's tugging on your heart and you need that relationship with God. Anybody at all as I look around? Okay. Scripture says this, that if you can say with your mouth the things that you are believing in your heart, your heart will open to god and then he'll come in and he'll have a relationship with you and that you will be as scripture says born again into that right relationship so i want to help you this morning i want to help you say with your words what's happening inside of your heart so if you'll repeat this simple prayer with me and believe it with all that you have you will have relationship with god let's pray this together say father god I thank you that you sent Jesus to die for the sin of the world as well as my sin. And that because of your death I am forgiven. And where there was no relationship because of your death I have relationship with my creator with my father. And I ask you today, Jesus, to save me and to give me purpose and to give me a family. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's welcome our brother into the kingdom. I'm so proud of you.